Hello and welcome back to episode 6 of the Coach's View Soccer Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Gray. Alright then, so we are on another episode this week. We are rolling through them. We are already on episode 6 of the podcast and it's been going great so far. I can't explain how much I'm enjoying talking to all our guests that we've been getting and trying to find new guests every single week. It's It's been really enjoyable, so... What, what keeps me going is that people are listening and we're getting more listens every single week. So thank you so much that everybody's been listening. Please feel free to spread the podcast around. If you know somebody that likes their football or, or stateside likes their soccer, please feel free to pass on the podcast and it'd be really appreciated and we can try and get more people every week. Talking about people listening every week, what I want us to try and do, if we can, uh, and if we, if we remember at the end of the podcast, can we try and get the podcast to review. If you're, if you're on iTunes, you can review the podcast. If you can give us a five-star review, that give, that gives us a chance to open ourselves to a bigger audience. The more reviews we get, the more five-star reviews we get, the more people that are going to listen to the podcast. So if you're a regular listener every week, please go to, the, go to iTunes, uh, review us, give us a five-star review, and that gets us a bigger audience and that can put us up the charts and, and get this podcast even better every week and we can keep getting fantastic guests for you. So if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. Also, don't forget our social medias. On Facebook and Instagram, we are at the Coaches View Poddy, P-O-D-D-Y, on Facebook and Instagram. Go and give a like and a follow on there. That would be hugely appreciated. Also, we're on Twitter. We are at... The Coaches View Pod. So if we can go on there as well, that'd be great. The Twitter page needs a little bit of love. It's not got many followers at the moment, but we're still updating every guest that we get. So if we can get on there, that'd be hugely appreciated. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Coaches View Poddy on Facebook and Instagram and at the Coaches View Pod on Twitter. Alright, so Let's get into our guest this week. The guest that we have this week, I'm so excited to get him on. I, I actually can't believe that we managed to get him on. And and we've got one of the leading coaches in his field in the whole world. We have Thomas Gronemark. Thomas Gronemark is from Denmark. Uh, and he is currently working at Liverpool in the Premier League. He also works at Ajax and... Uh, he's worked in the MLS with Atlanta United. He's worked in Serie A with Atalanta. Uh, he's worked in his homeland in Denmark with FC Michelin. He's got a whole list of teams that he's worked with. And as I said, he's a throwing coach. So obviously, the Bulls had to play a lot in a game. And you'll hear in the interview of how much that impacts the game. And I'm sure people have, haven't even realised, like me and Thomas talk about it, it's not actually been recognised for a long time and, and I think what Thomas is talking about here can really catch on and it, and it clearly works with what he's done. You just look at Liverpool, they, they won the Champions League last season, they're about to win the league this year. Ajax are successful, they win the league and they did great in the Champions League last year. So Thomas clearly knows what he's talking about. So this is a, a great guest for us. And we are going to get into that interview right now. So, welcome to the podcast, Thomas Gronemark. Okay, then we'll 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 just get started. I say it's nothing. It's nothing too formal. It's just a just a regular football chat, and and we'll we'll just talk about your your story in the game, really. If that's okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Perfectly fine, yeah. Okay, then, so, first off, we'll go right back to the start, where, uh, just how you got involved in football, who got you involved in football, was it a parent, was it, did you, was it just yourself, how, how did you get involved when you were young? Yeah, I, th- I think I started with, as a five-year-old or so, five or six-year-old in a, in a local uh, workers' club in Horsens, Denmark, where I'm, where I was uh, growing up, and uh, I can't remember if it was my parents or just my my friends from the kindergarten or from from the the first school class, but I can just remember it was um, it was fun to play football. I yeah. really loved it. Um, we played it in school too, and you know, at first it was only like playing football that that was it, but. As uh, I think I was nine or ten years old, I saw two of my old, older cousins, Ben and Johnny. They could do long throw-ins, and I just thought it was awesome yeah. because you know that that excitement when a when a player takes a long throw-in running, and then the excitement when you can score after it. Just, yeah, it's just like a a superpower. So so as a teenager, I was really trying to be better at the long throwing myself and also developed a really a long uh, throwing set piece weapon as a teenager so yeah but I always uh, love playing football I still love playing football so it's always been a been a big thing for me yeah so so did, did you play at any any kind of level or was it, was it just more recreational or did you play at a, a decent level Oh, I actually got up to a pretty high level. I played in the highest youth league in Denmark, U19, and and uh, also played against really good players. For example, uh, for many years I played played against Thomas Graverson. He he later played for Celtic and Real Madrid. Yeah. So, um, but I wasn't good enough to be a professional football player, at least not at that time. I actually think if I had been a youth football player now, I've been getting more individual coaching and, and advice and so but but at that time even though it was the highest the youth league it was not like individual advice and so so yeah i, I had two like like two uh superpowers in soccer and that was um throwing long and then running really fast so um there you, go. Yeah. So you, so you do have a you do have a long throw yourself then so like you, you can actually do it yeah, first of all, when I just um, have just, you know, played normally, I, I could throw 40, 42 meters. And wow. the players I'm coaching now in, in pro soccer, they can, um, if they can play, throw between 30 and 35, they're really, really good. Yeah. So uh, I could throw very far. And, and, and also in, in, in 2010, I set official Guinness World Record with 51.33 meters. That was with a flip throwing. That's a whole lot of thing. But but yes, I always uh, been able to make a, a really long throw in myself. That's awesome. That's, that's so interesting. I'm I'm really I'm really intrigued with with um, with your style of of the throwing coaching and stuff. I think it's something that is really missed because everybody does it, and it's not really coached um and until until now I, re- I remember when the when it first came out where where you you were contacted by by liverpool and it was quite a big quite a big story that they now have a throwing coach and and i think that's a i don't know if if people realize that it throwing is a big part of the game 
Like it's out of play quite a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's really <clears throat> there are normally between forty and sixty throw-ins in a match all all around the pitch, and uh, when I'm I'm coaching yeah, eight pro clubs this season, and and one of them is Liverpool FC, and after after every match, I'm getting the the attacking throw-ins and then defending throw-ins, the opponents throw-ins, and and the videos I'm getting there. That's just a situation just before we we have the ball in our hands, and then the following situation affected by the throw-ins. So these videos are normally between seven and a half and ten minutes each. So together, it's fifteen to twenty minutes of a soccer match. That's that's influenced either directly or indirectly by the things we are doing with with the throw-ins. So some people are saying it's a small thing, a marginal gain. No, it's a it's a massive thing in 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 soccer. So that's the reason why. Of course, it's it's. I think it's been a cultural thing. But in hundred forty years, we haven't really been working with the throw-ins. Even though there are so many, we're using so much time. And even though the fact is that that most teams have possession in under 50% of the occasions when they have a throw-in under pressure where the players are marked. And if you had the same percentage with your feet, you'll only be playing Sunday league football. So so, so the funny thing is that you're having, you're having um, an industry or clubs with, with billions of uh, pounds or dollars or euros in budgets. Uh, but, and, and all the other things in, in soccer are just world world class in pro football but the throw-ins i often say that there are normally no difference between throw-ins in pro football and sunday league football so that's yeah i've been a throwing coach since um 2004 and yeah i've been working with this every day for 16 years so uh, i have the pleasure to to help the the best teams in the world at the moment and yeah my biggest dream is to help all all teams in the world, also youth and amateur teams. That's also the reason why I'm writing on a book about throw-ins, so my, my long, fast and clever throw-in philosophy. So so I'm, my mission is not only to help the best clubs, it's also to help a, a normal normal U14 coach in California or a women's coach in, in uh, Vietnam or so. Yeah, that's my big, big dream and my big goal in life. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's as we said, it's a huge part of the game that's been missing for, like, like you said, 140 years. It's not really had the spotlight on it that all the rest of the game has. That is such a big part of the game as well. That it's, it's it's such a crucial part. It's it, and, and for yourself, it's it's such a. I don't know of many throwing coaches, so it's such a big. Um, what what was I say? It's such a. It's like a niche market for yourself um and and you can really you can really push that and it can even go into like coaching licenses i'm sure eventually if it goes the right way when you when you're doing your licenses that this could be part of the, the curriculum yeah you're totally right the funny thing is um i have never heard of any other throwing coaches than me of course there have been people have an opinion about throw-ins and trying something about throw-ins but i've never heard of any person who have been working with throw-ins like me every day every hour uh, in 16 years i'm also dreaming about throw-ins so that's also the reason why i have an advantage because i've been been working with with that for really many years and another advantage is that i've been working with my uh, long fast and clever throwing philosophy 
the throw-ins all over the pitch for really many years. But it was first in July 2018 where Jurgen Klopp called me that it's really been released. So I have, I have a really big, uh, how can you say it? I've been working in my, in, my, uh, in my cave with the fast and clever throw-ins because the first many years, uh, the clubs only wanted my knowledge around the long throw-ins. So uh, I have a really, you know, how can you say, advantage, a head start with the knowledge. So I really want to use that knowledge, not only for my clubs, but also all soccer coaches in the world. So, yeah. yeah. The, the only, the only other, with, with me obviously growing up in England but, and, and watching the Premier League a lot, the only person or the only team that I really saw that used the throw-ins to their advantage was, was Stoke with, with Rory Delap and, and Tony Pulis as their manager where they, they used a lot of the long throw-ins. But as you said, it's not just the long throw-ins. I, th I, think, I think the short throw, especially, especially coaching young kids, to teach them how to do it. There's so many times in youth games that there's a foul throw because they don't actually know how to throw the ball in. And, it's, and, that's, and that's a huge part of the game that we're mixing. Yeah, it's a huge, huge part of the game that that you can take a correct throw in. And I'll also say, of course, Stoke did really well with the long throw-ins, but I'll also say that it's only a few teams, like 5 or 10% of the teams, who can really utilize the long throw-in as a set-piece weapon because you have to have world-class throwers and then you have to have really tall guys, a big, strong physical team. I also had myself... Not this season, but the last four seasons, FC Midtjylland scored 35 goals on long throw-ins, eight, wow. nine uh, goals per season. But they also had a big team and also developed two, three world-class throwers for the team. So what I'll say, if you're looking at, at young players, amateur players, kids, of course you have to have a, take a correct throw-in. But it, for me, it's much more important for the kids and the youngsters to and the coaches to focus on um throw in precision in the near middle distance area but also how to create space most of my time uh, spent with with the teams no matter if it's pro teams or amateur or youth team because i'm also coaching that sometimes is space creation so i'm working with um i'm working with with three different zones on the pitch because there are different surroundings to different zones with the throw-ins also working with 40 to 50 throwing tools uh, and then on top of that also um, individual throwing superpower because some players are good at protecting the ball some players are good at first touch some players are good at being fast some players are good at creating space for the teammates and then on top of everything the players are using their own creativity and fantasy and ideas so if you look at liverpool fc it, it's not like a playbook in american football no they have all the basic with precision, space creation, then they have all the tools and have the individual specific things and then the ideas. So in theory, we have millions of options. And, and if you work correctly with your throw-ins and, and my long, fast and clever throw-in philosophy, you can first of all uh, improve possession. For example, Liverpool, the season before I came to Liverpool FC, they had a possession on 45.4% on throw-ins under pressure where the players are marked. And Liverpool were only number 18 out of 20 in the Premier League. But in my first season, the 18-19 season, we improved to 68.4% and went from number 18 in the Premier League to number one. Also wow. to number two wow. in the whole Europe, only after one of my other teams, uh, FC Midtjylland from Denmark. But you can also score goals after throw-in situations. In Liverpool and one of my other clubs, Ajax, we're not doing any long throw-ins towards the opponent's goals. 
but in Liverpool we scored uh, 13 goals after throwing situations this season and that's throw-ins all over the pitch for example we scored th three goals after throw-ins at our own penalty area because we, we there was like gigantic pressure but can you play out of this pressure with certain movements and tools then you'll often have a transition or, or a shift or so and we also scored three of the goals also by taking the ball from the opponents when they had a throw-in so for me it's it's the most important thing to do with your youth teams and amateur teams but of course also pro teams is to to have the knowledge to create space when they have a throw-in because with more space you have greater chance of keeping possession keeping control but also to create chances and uh, uh, score goals after throwing so it's really important uh, the long throwing and the long throwing technique is only a small part small part of my uh, training and philosophy it's kind of like a <laughs> Kind of putting it like a corner, like with a long throw, like a corner. But 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 as you say, that's a very small part. The, the throwing is more. It, it it's a pass. At the end of the day, isn't it? The throwing is a pass, and it needs to be treated that way. Where it, you're trying to hit feet or you're trying to hit that chest, as you would if you're keeping the ball on the ground. Yeah, you can treat it like a pass, but you can also say that uh, of course you have to. When the player is taking a throw-in, of course, he or she has to, first of all, know when to throw fast and other times know when to have patience because it's not good always to throw fast if you're throwing into a pressure zone. Then the player also has to be able to see uh, when the best space is being created. And of course, you can't be 100% sure every time, but it's about seeing that space created. And then... The most important thing is perhaps that the outfield players or the other players are creating that space because if the players are standing still or only moving one or two meters, you're not creating any space at all. And that's what I'm doing with my coaching, giving them different tools to create space. Um, and because most most teams are, when we're playing with Liverpool, we're be Yes, I think I fell out here. Sorry, I lost you a little bit. Yeah, sorry. yeah sorry. I'll just come again here. You know, normally when we are we are playing with Liverpool, we are normally 20, 30, 40% better at throw-ins under pressure compared to the opponents. And the reason is that that um, if they can't throw fast, they'll often throwing the ball down the line. And we saw that against Tottenham Spurs, the first match this season. It was even more extreme. We had 100% possession, nine out of nine throw-ins under pressure. And Tottenham had only four out of uh, out of 16, 25% possession. And it was because if they couldn't throw it fast, they threw it down the line. The same with Bayern Munich, first Champions League match last season. Bayern Munich had 28%. The same with, with Tottenham, just threw it down the line. And we had around 70%. That's okay for us in Liverpool at throwing some pressure. And you should think here, almost two years after my job in Liverpool was leaked, that uh, the, the players really have learned something. but. But I saw the match Dortmund Bayern the other day, and they were, they were really bad at throw-ins. They were putting their teammates under enormous pressure almost every time they had a throw-in. So for me, it was really easy to see that they really lacked the basic knowledge around what to do in specific throw-in situations. So, um, but but that's my luck. You can say that with because it means I can help even more clubs. Uh, yeah, in the that's world. only going to help you. It's only going to make your 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 brand better um yeah i've seen that so yeah it's it's such an it's such an interesting part of the game that i was as i say i'm so pleased to have you on and and to get this insight yeah it's 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 fantastic so 
let's let's just let's just rewind a little bit and go back to um, at the very start where you you started getting into thro- throwing coaching. Who was your first club? Who did you first get involved with? Was it was it was it easy to get involved with that club? Were they kind of like we're not sure this is going to work? <laughs> what happened there? How did you get involved? Yeah, I'll say first of all, I in in the mid nineties after. I've been playing football for many years, high school, 19 league. I went to athletics because I was very fast. Had six years in athletics on the Danish national team every year, several times Danish champion. Also, together with my teammates, we won the European Championships in 400 meter relay in Paris in 2000. Um, so it was really good. In 2002, I changed to the bobsleigh sport. Okay. Uh, was driving with my bobsleigh team all around the world, Europe, Canada, the States. And it was in the middle of that bobsleigh period, I thought, hey, if I can make a good throw in, can't I teach other players to do it? So I went down to my local library to find that book about throw-ins and um, there were no books at all. And, and you know, so I had to make a throwing course myself. And uh, after six months, I've been video filming myself a lot. I had that course and I could have been starting with a youth amateur team, but I had the courage to ask a local Super League team from Denmark, Vibor FF, they called them. They said, luckily enough, yes, scored a lot of goals after throwing situations, improved the throw-ins a lot, had the best placements in the club's history in the Super League in Denmark. So um, it was a success. And and the year after, I was going to FC Midtjylland, an even better club in Denmark. So that was my that was my first approach in with with the throwing coaching job. And I'll say that I couldn't find a book myself in 2004. And that's also the reason why I'm, I'm writing a book now yeah. about yeah. the long, fast and clever throwings. And if someone are interested, they, they can look at my homepage, thomasgronemark.com, read about it. Um, because it's also a little bit of frustration for me because of course it's fantastic to, to work with the big pro clubs, also to win Champions League with Liverpool and so. But I can just really feel that that a lot of uh, soccer coaches all around the world, both youth, amateur, they're writing to me every day to get this knowledge. And I can only say some, oh, my secrets are for the pro clubs and so. But you know, it's it today it's much easier. So when I'm publishing my book, um, I'll also have online courses and so. So that's my biggest dream, to change football in a positive way. Yeah. So we're going from that throw-ins as something that's, just have to be made or are really bad quality to uh, a really um, a fantastic thing in soccer. I really love that 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 a guy is sitting in the couch and then he's screaming to his friend standing in the kitchen, "Come on, there's a throw in." <laughs> I really would love that. You you know you have a we have that in like in basketball where we know that if we have a throw in in the side, you know we are probably going to see some sp- uh, fantastic space creation. And that's really a fantastic part of that game. It's not only shooting in, in, in the basket. And so so I'd love to have the same uh, thing in, in, in soccer with throw-ins. So that's my that's the reason why I'm publishing my book in the future. Yeah, he's trying he's trying to change the perception of of throw-ins. Like as we said, for so long it's kind of been forgotten about. But as you say, no no trying to bring it back and it clearly works because Liverpool have just won the won the Champions League last year and they're very close to winning the league this year and the teams that you've had in Denmark and even Ajax and all, all, all the different teams you've had, it's improved them. So it's it's not you you have the you have the data to show that 
it works. So why would people not use it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, I'm. I'm just looking forward to bringing my knowledge, you know, out in the world, also in a different way that I'm doing at the moment. So yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so many, as you say, there's so many teams that you you watch that aren't good at throwings, and they could be so much better by by getting your knowledge, which is fantastic. So you're in a great place at the moment. You're in a fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's uh, it, yeah. A little, a little thing there. With, with, with obviously everyone's been in lockdown all over the world and stuff, and we've been, we've been, uh, we've been confined to our to our own places at the moment. Have you still been in contact with 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 the teams that you're working with? Have you still been able to do, like, give them some sessions or give them some feedback while we've been in this current situation? No, I haven't really done that because the, the teams haven't really been training. And you yeah. can say that, of course, I, uh, for example, in Liverpool and Ajax, I'm doing video analysis of each game and I'll probably do that. You know, now that the, the, the tournament in Holland is ended now, uh, but, but Premier League will, will start again. I'll probably do throwing analysis here with Liverpool. But I don't think I'll, I'll coach them on the pitch now because I normally only coach in... Um, in a full week's training. If there's a Champions League week with two games, there's not enough time. And it's the same here. We'll probably have two games each week uh, in the rest of the Premier League season. So I only expect to do throw-in analysis. And then next season, let's see. I've been having having uh, eight different pro teams this season. Of course, also a few amateur and youth teams too. But, but also coaching, for example, Atlanta United from the MLS. So... So let's see what, what teams I have to coach next season. I'm open for every team in the world. I just Again, I'd just like to bring my knowledge out there. And for me, it's a dream to work as a throwing coach and get a lot of um, you know, experiences from all over the world. So that's let's see what's team. happening. Yeah, that's, that's so exciting. I, I, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge Wolves fan. So if you ever want to come to the Wolves, you're more than welcome to come and help us. So <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, yeah, we welcome. I, I actually, I actually uh, said no to a couple of uh, Premier League teams this season because um, they were also competing against directly against Liverpool FC. And I have like I can, I can unless I have a contract who says I can't, then I, uh, then I can coach several teams from a league. Uh, but I'm I'm having my own rules too. I'm saying I'll never coach two teams who are competing against each other in the like the same same end of the league. Right. So I will never coach two top teams in the at the same time, and I'll never coach two rival teams in the same season. So like never coach uh, Liverpool United in the same season. Never coach Arsenal and Tottenham in the same season because that'll give a lot of trouble with with the fans. But to be honest, I'm open-minded for every club and every season I'm uh, like a free agent. Yeah. I'm over there and then uh, I'll just try to, you know, sign sign the best contract. And it, it, isn't, it, it isn't necessarily about the money. Uh, it, it's more like how much influence can I get? If there's a team who says, oh, we only want to use you for the long throw-ins, and there's a, another team who says, of course, you want the whole package, the long, fast and clever throw-ins. I'll every day uh, choose the last team, even though it's less money, because, you know, I know that you can reach much, much, much more with doing going all in on all the throw-ins on the pitch, instead of, I've had some clubs in the past who said, oh, you can only do the long throw-in uh, coaching. 
And even though it's both been successful and I've been getting paid uh, sometimes well, uh, oh, it's not it's not my my first priority. I always want to focus on on uh, on all the throwings all over the pitch. So I love I love to coach uh, wolves in the future. So uh, let's see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so let, let's let's go to the bit where you actually got that break with with because we obviously mentioned Liverpool, we've mentioned Ajax, uh, we've mentioned Atlanta. Um, can you give us some of the other teams that you've worked with as well? Yeah, this season or the last two seasons, I've also worked with um, with uh, Ghent from Belgium. Uh, yeah. They ended up number two. Also went very far in the Europa League. Uh, we worked with them the last two seasons, but also worked with the head coach Yes uh before in Denmark FC Midtjylland, and that's the case with with many of my teams that I've been working with them for several seasons. And I think that's a good sign because if you are you are making several contracts, then it's yeah, I, I guess it's because they like me, not only because of my funny jokes. So uh, <laughs> uh, they like my coaching year. Uh, also been this season coaching. A small uh, Belgium, or not small, but a second league Belgian club called USG. It's also called uh, the Union. Uh, I've coached them the last two seasons too, uh, and then I have a, a couple of uh, secret uh, teams too. And it's yeah. And the reason is that that okay. I of course it's fantastic that that people know that I'm coaching Liverpool and winning and everything, but. It was actually not me who said it. It was not Liverpool. It was leaked in the end of August 2018. So there was like a one and a half month where no one or only a few people knew it. Also with Ajax, I started in Ajax in July 2019, last summer. But it was first in January uh, 2020 where some journalists show, saw me on the training camp in Qatar. It was like coming through uh through in the media so for me the it's not so important that people know where i'm coaching mm -hmm. but of course it's also easier to say if you're when you're working for liverpool fc oh, yeah. and it goes pretty pretty good at the moment so uh yeah so yeah it's got to be so exciting as well we're obviously we all love the game we're all football fans get a phone call from liverpool to say or or ajax for example and come and coach for us. Explain the reaction. Did you know it was coming, or was it a surprise that they, they asked you to come and to come and coach for them? I'll say Ajax. It was a little bit more traditional with um, with work with my manager and so like talking back and forth. But with Liverpool FC, it was a total surprise. It was actually Jurgen Klopp called me directly on the phone, and wow. I didn't know before. So suddenly there was a plus 44 number has been calling me and and I was on a trip with my family and then yeah I, I just thought it was a salesman from England because <laughs> plus 44 is the country code from England so I just listened to the voicemail and um, then it was Jurgen Klopp so I was totally in shock even though I always dreamed of coaching in the Premier League and especially a top team like Liverpool I never knew if, if it would happen or it would go 10 years. So I tried to call Jürgen back, but he didn't answer. So after me and my family had visited that chocolate shop we, we were driving to, I thought, hey, better drive home to myself and take the perhaps the most important call in my life. So, so I was driving the car, my wife sitting beside me, the kids in the back. And then suddenly the phone rang and my wife picked the phone up and she said, it's Jürgen. 
And then I just took the car and drive directly to the right into a grass field. And I took the phone and it, it was Jürgen Klopp and he said, hi, Thomas, we, we had a fantastic season in the 17-18 season with a fourth place in Premier League and Champions League final. But we were so bad at the throw-ins and I tried to do something uh, and we tried to do something, but it didn't work. So he, he had been reading an article about me in the German newspaper built a few days before. And it was actually also the same article that Ralph Ram, Rangnick from RB Leipzig has been reading just before he called me too and, and hired me. So, um, but Jürgen Klopp invited me to Melwood, Liverpool's training ground. It should only been a meeting okay. in the first place, but Jürgen Klopp was so convinced that already the day after I had, had the chance to coach 21 of the Premier League players. All the players weren't injured or at vacation after the World Cup. And already a few days after I signed my, my first contract with, with Liverpool FC. So I had a half season contract. And after that, I had a half season contract more. And then this season, I have a full season contract. So I've signed three uh, contract with Liverpool FC. And uh, I think it's been two okay seasons. So uh, <laughs> pretty well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you get the opportunity to go to the, to the Champions League final or anything? Did you, did you, did you, were you there? No, I, I wasn't at, at Madrid. I probably been, could have been there, but I decided to stay home in Denmark together with my family because I really wanted to share that, that possible moment with them because, of course, we didn't know if we would win the Champions League final, but we won. The Champions League final, so it was fantastic to share it with my uh, with my family. But I must admit that I, I had to take a little walk in the second half because I was getting a little bit too nervous. So just walk with the telephone, saw like thirty minutes on live score, and then switching off and trying to think about something else. But then suddenly, suddenly in the I think it was the eighty seventh minute, uh, Divock scored to two 0 and then I just ran all that I could to back to my home and watch the last five minutes on the telly. So, you know, but it's fantastic. Amazing. Of course, for the club, for all the, the guys on the team, for the staff, for Jürgen, but also for myself and my family, because it's been really important that sometimes you, you can say that if you're having a breakthrough, no matter if you're a throwing coach or what you are in life, there is often a, often a family behind it. And um, what you don't see them so often is, especially if you're not putting them in front on social media and so, so I'm just uh, thankful that I've I'm been having a lot of support from my family, both my wife and my kids. So um, they are also a, a very big part of my success as a throwing coach. Yeah, that's amazing. And they have such an impact on, on that team to, as I say, you've influenced and you've helped them win win a trophy and win one of the biggest the biggest competitions in the world so that's 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 absolute credit to you so fantastic so um give, give us some who is who is probably the not necessarily the best player you you've you've coached but who who is very who's picked it up someone that's taken it on board who's a player that's really listened to your advice and and has really transitioned to be a really good person throwing the ball in. Who, who is who is someone that you've worked with that's like that? I'll say the two best, and I'm not here. I'm not talking about the long throwing who can throw yeah. furthest, but I'm talking about 
which players have the highest throwing intelligence. And here I'm saying combining, you know, the precision with the throw-ins, that's really important, but also the feeling of when to throw fast, when to have patience and wait, but also the, the, the skills of seeing space being created by the teammates and take the right decision. Then I'll say that that uh, Andy Robertson, Robo, and Trent are the two best uh, throwing takers in the world. There are they had it a little bit different because I'll say that you know a guy like Andy Robertson, he's just so fast at learning. First of all, he he went from from what you say low level or medium level to world class in like. A month or a half. It was just like the speed he developed with. You can also say when I'm having exercises, when I'm explaining, then Robo understands it first time, all the how it, it works and so. And you, can, if I should compare him with Trent, who also now has world class uh, with his throwings, throwing intelligence. I think Trent took like six months more to to uh, come to the same level as Robo. And of course, there's a lot of things um, depending on that, like the type of player, the age of the player. There can be different things, but I can just say that they're they're both like both like world class at the moment, and for me, the two best throw-in takers in the world. So at the moment, but when when if you have should have the chance to be two of the best throw-in takers in the world, you also have have to have teammates who are creating space because if you have teammates who are standing still or only moving a meter or, or two and not dragging the opponents to create space then it's really hard to have high quality throw-ins so to be recognized as the leading expert in throw-ins like i am you also need to have players who are listening and 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 good throwers and outfield players who are creating the space and so so and managers and head coaches who are listening you have to work together with the assistant coaches, coordinate with the physical coaches with the intensity, communicate with the analysis people to, you know, find the best exercises and, and, and do the best video analysis. So even though I'm, I'm perhaps standing there and as the guy with the knowledge and the players are standing like the guys who are really, you know, performing fantastic with the throw-ins, there are like a big team around them who are who are around them and me who are securing that 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 we're really, really doing well in at the throw-ins and that's also a part of the you can say club culture in Liverpool and also under Jurgen Klopp that people are really willing to share knowledge and help each other. So in Liverpool, I feel not only with the throw-ins but also in general, it's not about I have to perform; it's about we have to perform. It's the same with the throw-in. It's not about I have to get the ball at a throw-in. It's about we have to get the ball. So that's like the big difference from teams who are individual focused on, on throw-ins to, to teams who are team-based or team-focused. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. You can have as many throw-ins as you want in a game, but if you don't have the movement in front of you, then you can't throw it to anybody. You're going to lose possession of the ball and potentially that's giving them up. The other team opportunity to have possession and chances and, and and more. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I have the three zones and the forty to fifty throwing tools. Of course, individual assignments, but also the players' fantasy and creativity ideas. 
the reason why I have three zones is because there are different circumstances or surroundings. If you're having a throw-in at your own penalty area, you'll first of all have very big pressure because if you lose the ball, it's not good. Big, big risk of the opponents getting chance or a goal. But you also have a, a small angle because you don't have so much space, space to throw in. So that's also the reason why many teams are just throwing the ball down the line. And that's perhaps one of the worst things you can do. If you're having a throw in in the middle of the pitch, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm just saying that it's perhaps the easiest zone to throw in because first of all, you can throw in 180 degrees, but you also can also use not only your midfield players, but also the strikers and the, the central um, defenders and the other fullback to, to uh, you know, create space and, and receive the ball. Uh, and then we have the, the attacking third at the opponent's penalty area. Of course, you can say, of course, you have a shorter angle there, a little bit like at your own penalty area. But you can also say sometimes you can be willing to take a risk there because, oh, perhaps you lose the, the, the possession. But if you lose the possession in the, the opponent's penalty area, it's not so risky. But if, if you can might earn a chance, you're, you, you're willing to take risks. So there are different circumstances and surroundings in the three zones. And that's what I'm learning the players what can what kind what kind of tools can we use in these zones because it's very different tools uh, yeah that's, uh, this is for me being a coach myself this is so this is so interesting to hear your your insight on it and and I say I'll, I will try and implement this into some of my with my teams and stuff it'll be it'll be fantastic and it's something that definitely needs to be worked on more and uh yeah that's that's great I'm, so I really appreciate you coming on and, and allowing allowing you to to express your different knowledge on the game, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for that. We're now, get, we're now going to get into our, our fun part of the podcast now. So now we're, we're all very serious stuff. We're yeah. going to get into our fun part. So I'm just going to fire at you uh, seven questions, seven quick fire questions. I'll give you an yeah. option and you've got to give me one back. All right. So okay. Yeah. First six are soccer related. The seventh one is a random question, so prepare yourself. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So, question number one. Do you prefer grass or do you prefer artificial turf? I'll say for a normal football game or soccer game, I prefer grass. If I have to coach some technical things, I'll, I'll think that the players are more safe on artificial grass. But, but I'll... Every day, if this if it's a, in good conditions, I'll always prefer uh, you know normal natural grass. Yeah, nothing better than a well cut field, grass field. Isn't yeah, it? fantastic, fantastic. Uh, question number two: Is it soccer or football? Oh, to be honest, it doesn't matter for me. The most important thing is that people understand me, because you know perhaps you heard it here also in this podcast. I think in the start I said football, then it was a little bit in doubt. Should I say soccer instead? The most important thing yeah. is is for me that that people understands me. So I, I I really don't care. I don't I don't have like any religion towards that. So I, I can call it both, just as long as it can create relations between me and the the ones who's listening. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a great. That's a great answer. Question. Question number three: Messi or Ronaldo? That's really. That's really hard. Um, I'll take. 
Michael Laudrup from Denmark. Do you remember him? <laughs> yeah. I'll give him that. I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah, but but you know that's because perhaps I perhaps I could could be coaching Messi or, or Ronaldo right now. Perhaps yeah. next season I wouldn't pick sides then. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a, another great answer. Question uh, question number four. You might have a little bias to this, but as you work for Liverpool, the current Liverpool team or the Arsenal Invincible team. I'll say the I'll say the current um, Liverpool team, and again, you know, with the bias, I'm coaching them. But I think that with let's see what happens the last nine games. But with the amounts of points, of course, being invincible in one season, that's fantastic. But I also think that they did they like make sixteen draws or so. I don't know, thirteen draws. But it, oh, you know. Fantastic accomplishment to go undefeated in a whole season. But I'll pick this year's Liverpool team. Yeah, I thought you might. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question number five is coaching or playing? Oh, that's really hard. Um, <laughs> because I love to coach and it's fantastic, but also love to play. You know, I'll take another example instead. Sometimes when I'm coaching not only Liverpool, but also the other clubs, let's say I have to play. Uh, four versus four, and then with a thrower or a secret thrower. But then we are only eight people. Then I'm allowed to go into the game myself. Then I'm both coaching and playing. I really love that. But uh, to be honest, I also give the Liverpool players a chance when I'm in there because I don't want to take the self, uh, you know, self con uh, <laughs> confidence. So uh, yeah, no, like just, just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's really fantastic. I really, I really love both. So yeah. okay, fair enough. Um, okay, last question: If you had a chance to change one rule in football, what would it be? If you could change anything, I would. Oh, there are several rules I will change. Okay, um, okay I'll, I'll, I'll just take. I'll take two. First of all, I think we have to play with effective time because then we're having a, we're having a, um, we won't have so many players who are lying down on the ground without anything happening to them. Yeah. Uh, then the second thing is, uh, I would like a rule that if players are standing in front of the, the ball when the opponents have a free kick, then there should be a yellow card. Why? Almost every time we have a chance for counter-attack, it doesn't matter if it's ourselves or the other team opponents, then people are standing in front of the ball. I don't know if you know the sport handball, but in handball, if you don't, if there is a, like, like a free shot, like a free kick in football, if you don't, if you're not laying the ball on the ground, then you get a two minute um, out of the game and the reason is that if you're throwing the ball away in handball then you are like taking the whole uh, meaning of the game away then you can't do counter attacks it's a little bit the same in soccer because if you're standing in front of the ball you know you're bringing the speed down and of course if it's your own team you can say oh that's really good just stand in front of the ball but you know you know it yourself if it's the other team you think it's not okay so that's if i should choose one rule I'll say yellow card if you're standing in front of the ball when there's a free kick. Okay. On purpose, 
on yeah. purpose. Yeah. yeah, great one. That's a great one. Uh, our last question then for our random one. This has had quite a quite a bit of interest in our previous podcasts. What do you do with your ketchup? Do you keep your ketchup in the fridge or do you keep your ketchup in like a cupboard or a pantry somewhere? Okay, here is the complex answer. <laughs> and it's not complex. When it's not opened, it's just standing outside where we have room. Okay. But when it's opened, it's in the fridge. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's a, that's I don't know why. I don't know why. But... Um, it works well, so why change it? So yeah, I've I've never until I moved to the states, my wife makes me put it in the fridge now. But all all my life, I've always had it outside the fridge. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know, just a random one. <laughs> yeah, but but I'll also say if you have to take look at the quality of of the food or eating, it doesn't really matter for me if it's it if ketchup is cold or like normal temperature. Yeah. It's another thing with like like a juice or with milk or with there's something else who should be cold to be really enjoyable. But for ketchup, it doesn't matter. So if I'm served ketchup in normal like temperature, I don't really give a damn. So <laughs> so it's okay for me. But we put it in the fridge when it it's open. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That's been a popular answer. Okay. Fantastic. So for the last bit, our, our very last bit of the podcast now. You've now got to give me your ultimate five-a-side team. So of any era, your favourite players, give me a goalkeeper, a defender, and whatever formation you want, ultimate five-a-side team. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say, and I think it has to be a good team too, and there has to be a goalkeeper. And if it's only five-a-side, then the goalkeeper would be used a lot. I could have been choosing Peter Schmeichel, one of the best goalkeepers ever from United. He's from Denmark too, like me. But I think I have to choose Manuel Neuer, and it's because from Germany and Bayern Munich, because I think he was like the real first goalkeeper who, who were brilliant with defeat. And if you're playing on a five-a-side team, you have to expect he's been, he'll be a lot in the play. So I'll take Manuel Neuer. Okay. And then I'll take, oh, there are so many, there are so many good, <laughs> many good soccer players. I ju just just to give a, a totally weird answer, I think think I'll pick Winnie Jones in defense from Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to make not not because it will affect the wrestle in a good way. I know that he was a pro player, but I think he he'll create a lot of good stories in the uh, five five matches. Of course, I have to bring in uh, I have to bring in uh, Michael Laudrup again. I mentioned. A little bit earlier, I think he's for me perhaps the most elegant uh, player in the in the uh, soccer history. The way he could make a pass, dribble everything. I know he wasn't the player who scored most goals or made most assists, but he'd been playing a really successful team like Barcelona, Madrid, playing well on the Danish national team. I'll have him too. Then why not? It's, it should be entertaining too. Uh, I think I'll have uh, Ronan Dilio yeah. uh, from Brazil. I think that if you're looking at players who are both entertaining and effective, because it's easy enough to like like take eight step overs and not coming anywhere or just make a dribble to make a dribble, but he was also effective. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Ronaldinho, and then I, ha I, ha I have one more who should it be? 
Oh, it's really, it's really hard. Uh, I think I'll take, uh, I'll take Bobby Firmino from Liverpool. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's also, you know, he's, um, he's really entertaining. He's, uh, I won't say he's underrated because, you know, most people who are really into soccer, they know his importance. Yeah, uh, he'll be fantastic to see in the five side team too. I think that was uh, that was uh, four players. Sorry, five players, four expected, and then Winnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just go around and smash some people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, but but I think he's yeah he 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 made it great. But of course, he wasn't. Perhaps the best football player in the world, but he's been doing terrific outside soccer too with his uh, acting roles and so. So I really love that people are taking it, um, you know, onto other things in life too. So so thumbs up for him, even <laughs> though he he was a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, he'll be the enforcer. He can protect Bobby Firmino. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that's it. And that I, I thank you. I thank you so much for for giving up your time to to speak to me and coming on the podcast. Uh, we'll 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 post this out and stuff. If if people want to follow you on social media, do you want to do you want to plug your social media so people can follow you on Instagram or, or anything? Yeah, yeah. First, first of all, yeah, just as I mentioned a little bit earlier, go to thomasgronomark.com to see about my throwing coaching, uh, coming throwing book about the long, fast, clever throwing, also online courses. But you can also find me on a lot of social media. I have a YouTube channel, just search my name, Thomas Gronomark. But you can also find me Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and things like that. So uh, I think the easiest way is just to... Um, to type in my name, you'll find me. And then I'll say I'm really open-minded. A lot of people think that I'm only coaching pro clubs. As I mentioned before, I'm also coaching youth and amateur clubs. And, and people say, oh, we can't invite Thomas. Yes, I'm also going to other countries for amateur and youth clubs. Because let's say it's in a town, then there are three clubs going together and invite me educating all the coaches, doing a talk perhaps, or it's only one club who are like collecting their uh, 50 different coaches, inviting parents or players and so. So it's really possible to get me out there if they want to have some knowledge. So um, yeah, this should be absolutely well, I'll have to get you over here yeah. for yeah, in Rhode Island. So I'll have to get you over here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love, I love that because I've been in in the states uh, several times. I've been, as I said, in Florida with Atlanta, uh, Atlanta United here training camp January this year. I've been in to Washington uh, to a diabetes uh, conference, JDRF. Been a couple of times to uh, Lake Placid with my bobsleigh team. So I just love the states. So no matter who you are in in the states, just invite me. I like to come <laughs> to your club too. So uh, I'm really open-minded for that. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Thomas, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, I wish you nothing but luck. And uh, I'll keep updated. And when your book comes out, I'll be sure to, I'll be one of the first ones to get you booked. Don't worry about that. Oh yeah, fantastic. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye-bye. What a guest there we've just had on the podcast. Thomas Gronemark, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you all enjoyed listening to that. 
the guy's an unbelievable person and um, I appreciate his time, giving up his time to come on the podcast and, and talk with me and, and get this out to all of our listeners. So thank you so much for, for that, Thomas. And as I said, I hope everybody enjoyed that. What, what a great, different, unique insight into the game there from a throwing coach that, as, as we spoke about, he won, he's won the Champions League with Liverpool. He's travelled the world. He's he's been to America. He's he's working in Holland with Ajax. He's he was working at his his home club, um, back home and progressed himself over the years and and he's now at the pinnacle of the sport, working for one of the biggest clubs in the world and and winning things with that. So I, I still can't believe we managed to get him on and he's on and we've we've managed to get this out. So thank you so much to everybody that that's listened to this. Please give this a five-star review if you can on iTunes. Let's get this out to a bigger audience if we can. I'm, I'm sure this episode will, will get plenty of listens. Let's try and get it even more. So if you know somebody that, that likes their soccer, make sure you pass this on and we can get this out to as many people as possible. And we're going to get great guests every single week and look look at the guests we managed to get this week. This This was, this was fantastic and I really enjoyed it. And I hope you all did too. So thank you, Thomas. Thomas Gronemark, make sure you go and follow him on social media. When his book comes out, make sure you get his book. He's got some, as we've just spoke about, he's got some fantastic ideas and some really interesting insight into the game. So thank you so much. Episode six is done and dusted with our guest. So now we're going to get onto the fun side. Now we're going to get into our predictions between me and my dad. I managed to beat my dad last week which doesn't happen very often, and I smashed him last week. So let's let's see if I can try and get him again this week, and let's see if, let's see if we can get some more interesting uh, pronunciations on some of the German teams that he gave us last week. I thought that was hilarious, listening back to the podcast and him him uh, trying to pronounce these these Bundesliga teams. So that was that was fun. Hopefully, with the Premier League coming back soon, we can we can do our predictions on that and get back to the Premier League back in the swing of that. So. Uh, we've got loads of football coming up. There's going to be football every single day, so make sure we're ready for that. Uh, and yeah, let's get into our predictions and let's see if I can beat my dad again this week. Good afternoon and welcome to Head to Head League Predictions, broadcasting live around the world every weekend as Ryan takes on his dad, Ken, in a bit to see who can predict the results from Europe's top leagues. All right, okay, so we're on our predictions. How are we doing, Dad? I'm very well, thank you. This week, how are you? Good, not too bad, not too bad. What do you, what do you think of our new voiceover and jingle we've got? That's cool. We're getting famous. We've made it. We have now made it. We have our own jingle. Okay, so I beat you last week. So what, what was the score last week? 15 what? Yes, you did. You beat me 15 8. Get you. But, I've got, you. but I've got to give you a chance just to get back into it again. It's ain't too easy. I'm going to pull away now. I'm going to pull away and beat you. So, all right. So, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be we'll be able to get on the Premier League when that starts. We'll be doing Premier League predictions then, so we can get yeah, back to that. So. so, all right then. So, give us your first result, your first game. Give us your first score. Uh, Bayer Leverkusen one, Bayern Munich one. Okay, I'll go Leverkusen one and Bayern Munich three. Okay. 
Next result. Next one is Leipzig 3, Paderborn 0. I'll go 4 0 Leipzig. Ooh. Yeah, they'll smash him. Okay, then. Next one, Frankfurt 2, Mainz 0. Uh, I'll go 4-1 Frankfurt. Okie dokie. Uh, the next one, Dusseldorf 2, Hoffenheim 1. Uh, I'll go Dusseldorf 2, Hoffenheim 2. For a draw with that one. Okay. Uh, next one, Dortmund 3, Hertha Berlin 1. I'll go 3-0. Dortmund. Yep. And the last one, uh, Werder Bremen 1, Wolfsburg 2. I'll go 3 1, Wolfsburg. Okay. What's your golden goal for this week? When they're going to score first? My golden goal this week is 6. Uh, mine's nine minutes. Going up for nine minutes. All right, okay. so I'm going to beat you again this week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll pull away in the league and get yourself. Uh, you're going to be catching up for me. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll smash you again this week. So yeah, we've got our new jingle. We've now got a proper segment. We are official, and now you're famous, Dad. To we all of our famous. to all of our listeners, <laughs> in all around the world. Cool. All right, so uh, Dad, I'll see you next week. I uh, just want to sign off, say thank you to everybody, and uh, yeah, thanks, Dad. Okay, then, yeah, stay safe, and I'll see you next week. All right, cheers, Dad. Everybody as well, don't forget also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please go and subscribe, review, and give us a five star review. As I said at the start of the podcast, the more reviews we get and the five stars we get, the higher we go up the charts and the bigger audience that we can get. All right. Thank you very much, and we will see you next week. Stay safe. All the best. Cheers. Cheers.